Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. I was so afraid of repeating that cycle. And I think by using that technique of talking to the me in the chair, that was when I first started. I maybe was married six months. That's when I first started to really heal in that deep, deep area of pain related to my parents' divorce and having that hope that I don't have to take the same path. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to pull you out of the rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to have a conversation that I recorded way back at Podcast Movement 2021 with Sarah Geringer. Sarah is a blogger, author, and podcaster who talks specifically about healing as a child of divorce into your adult years. Because quite frankly, those of us who are unaware of our history are doomed to repeat it. So if you grew up in a home that was of divorced parents as a child, there are some hurdles that you need to go through now to grow up and have a fulfilling life. I know from personal experience. So does Sarah. So we're going to have a conversation around how did we heal? How did we become whole again so that when we got into adulthood, we had our own relationships? How do we ensure that we bring our best healed selves to those relationships? So sit back and relax unless you are skipping rocks across the pavement uh, to, I don't know, see if it's just fun to do. If you're a guy, you know what I'm talking about. Because it's right up there with like throwing a rock in a pond, right? Or a, a body of water. So it, it, it's always throwing things. But here we go. All right. Hey, Sarah, thanks for joining me here at Podcast Movement. Um, I wanted to connect with you, get this recording done, this interview done, because you and I have a... Uh, kind of a historical event that we share. Not the same exact event, but the same type of event. And that's where uh, you're a child of divorce. Your parents divorced when you were a child. My parents divorced when I was 11 years old. Uh, I know for me, very tumultuous uh, event in my life, uh, more so for my parents' lives. And uh, it just had an impact on both of them and impact on my brother and I and so much more. And so knowing what we had gone through and the experiences in our own relationships as a result of that... Um, I definitely wanted to get somebody else's voice in there that has gone through a similar thing. And so that I'm glad you were able to join us and share your story because you've also grown up as a child of divorce. So right. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know there's so many of us. Uh, I think there's 40 million plus in the U.S. Oh, wow. And I know that not everybody self-identifies that way. Uh, but I think that it's helpful as we're exploring our healing journeys to kind of bring it through that filter. So I was four when my parents first divorced. Oh, wow. And uh, I have a photographic memory. So it goes all the way back to 16 months old. Oh, geez. So I can remember that very vividly. And it's, it's trauma that we have to process. And how old again were you when they divorced? I was four. Four. Four and a half. And my whole world changed. There's just no other way to say it. I compare it frequently to a nuclear bomb. And, you know, there's uh, half-lives and fallout for years and years. It stays in the groundwater. And I think that's exactly what happens for us. And it shows up in our uh, dating relationships when we're 
in a high school, college, shows up in our marriages, course extends into our um, family, birthday parties, Christmases, all those things. And it's just a lot of pain to process. Um, I've heard it compared to like having, uh, when they used to do wakes and put the dead body in the front room, this is years ago. And it's, the, the corpse would be taken to be buried, but it's almost like a corpse sitting in the living room permanently. And, uh, oh, yes. where our parents, I think, tend to move on, many of them remarry and maybe start other families. It's this wound that we carry inside. And, uh, something that I discovered, um, when my dad di- divorced the second time and remarried, I was 22. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I've got this in the bag. I've dealt with this my whole life. I know how this works. And I was so surprised that it took me about 10 years to accept the terms of that second one. So one thing that I try to do through my podcast for adult children of divorce is say, no matter how far removed you are, or no matter what age you were when your parents divorced, it's going to affect you. And it's going to affect you for a long, long time. And so I think what I want to do is to be a friend that meets in this, this private personal space that is podcasting to come alongside someone hoping that they'll seek uh, outside help for it. Like I did. And I know some of the things you mentioned, like being a child of divorce, especially an adult who experienced it as a child, uh, you mentioned like even in high school, you, it impacted your relationships. Uh, so what were some of those things that you noticed uh, when it came to relationships in high school or even middle school for those who might have gotten an early start? I'm not one of them. I'm just, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Me too. People say, have you even bloomed yet? So, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Total slam. You're like, jokes but, on you. I'm married with kids. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I remember like this, this dichotomy of I felt like I was boy crazy. I mean... I don't know that anyone else would have labeled me as such, but I I had crushes all the way from kindergarten onward and through college. And um and yet I was an ice queen. So it's like I had this desire, this this aching desire for a boyfriend to kind of fill this void inside of me, but yet when it came to actual dating, I was frozen and out of just total fear. And I remember when I broke up once, I've never said this before, um, but the guy said, I think you like the idea of a boyfriend more than an actual boyfriend. Oh, wow. And I took a lot of offense at that. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. But now, reflecting on that 20 plus years later, I think he was right. You know, I just didn't, I just didn't understand um, because I didn't have a good model to follow of what a healthy connection would be. And so I've had to really kind of take that to the Lord as a hang up of mine because I feel like as an adult, he's the Lord has made a way for me to minister to men. And I had to get past that hang up that I had as a child, as a young woman and say, you know, I can connect. I just have to learn different ways to do that. Uh, what were some of the things you did to help bridge that gap? I mean, that, cause I know for myself, I, I would avoid relationships because my mind would already fast forward to the breakup. 
and the breakup would involve her finding somebody better. And it was just, you know, because that was kind of the essence of uh, how my parents split up in my eyes as a child was my mom went and found somebody better and replaced my dad. And uh, at that time, uh, the other men in my dad's family, the, his, he had, I think, two other brothers who also had wives who left them for other men. And, uh, you know, just then there was some self-fulfilling prophecies. I had a couple of relationships in high school and into college where I was left for another man. And it's like, this is what I'm doomed to, to go through. And so when it came to dating, I know I myself would find somebody I was attracted to and avoid that because there's no way I'm going to get you know involved with this person just for her to find somebody else. May as well just avoid it. And eventually got past that. I mean, it, it was just sort of a, I think when I stopped caring for me that caring about what could happen that hasn't even happened yet, I think is, you know, so going in with some confidence, like give it a shot. You know, the worst that can happen is she leaves you for somebody else. You've already experienced it. Yeah, you can get through it. You, you've seen your dad get through it. But um, what was it that helped you get through that kind of, um, I guess, outlook on relationships? Yeah, you know, this is hard to talk <laughs> about. And I yeah. hope, I just want to pause here for a second and say, if you're divorced and listening to this, I just want to say that God's grace covers mm-hmm. us all. I have no judgment for you. Even though I haven't been divorced myself, I have like a tenderness in my heart for divorced people who listen to my podcast because they want to do right by their kids. So like God's blessings on you. But what I want to say is when I was, I was newly married when I started dealing with this Oh wow! and I, we were both still in college, totally broke. We were living in the basement of his buddy's house (laughs) and our rent was $150 a month and we couldn't scrape that together. So I mean, I was going to say the good old days, but no, it was, it was tough. (laughs) So, um, but I started going to therapy Okay, and that was like $40 a session, which is bargain basement price. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But it was as important as groceries at that time because what happened was I was getting depressed. I had been suicidally depressed in high school and I knew that my depression was affecting my husband. So it's almost like I felt... I've got to get to the bottom of what this one is about because it's not only affecting me, it's affecting him. So I go to these sessions and the counselor is saying they, they use the chair technique. So it's pretty common. I don't know the official term for this, but they say, you know, put, put yourself in the chair, a younger version of yourself or maybe someone who you need to forgive in a chair and then say what you want. So it's kind of this, this freeing experience. So I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this chair and I look at the me, uh, before I got married. Um, and I'm talking to her and I say uh, to her, it's going to be okay. You're not like your dad. And I completely broke down and sobbed. Uh, wailing sobs for like five straight minutes. So it touched on a, a reservoir of pain inside. So my story, and again, there's just no way to say this without being honest, um, but it's not meant to, to heap coals on any of my family members' heads. Um, you know, my dad was just trapped in infidelity. And so... I saw that as a source of shame. And I think that's where some of my, my hang up came from is knowing that he cheated. And I, that was where my fear was based in sex is bad. 
sex destroys marriages. And so knowing I had this huge hang up, knowing that I had had sex before I got married and lived with my husband, it's somewhere in my psyche. I was thinking you're just as bad as your dad in this, in this respect. And I love my dad. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a bad person, but it was easy to pick out that that was the badness. And, and he was very open about, yeah, my infidelity destroyed my marriages, you know? So it's nothing he wouldn't have said about himself, but I was so afraid of repeating that cycle And I think by using that technique of talking to the me in the chair, that was when I first started, maybe was married six months. That's when I first started to really heal in that deep, deep area of pain related to my parents' divorce and having that hope that I don't have to take the same path. And I think we've got to get in touch with that. Like, it's kind of what you were saying. Once you realize that you can look to the future with hope because the Lord can redeem your story and your story doesn't have to be a repeat of what happened, you can break those generational curses and have a new life. But it does start with getting honest with yourself about what your fears are, what your vulnerabilities are, what you really want your marriage, your family to look like. And what your role in that is, how much, how much commitment are you going to take on? What are you going to do different? Because if you do it the same, the results are probably going to be the same. So it takes a lot of introspection. And I think that bouncing those ideas off of a mental health professional was so helpful to me uh, to just enter that dialogue with them. And then they could help me unearth some of those uh, hangups that were really deeply buried. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage to face that too. I mean, it, it does. Um, but what you have at stake is so much. Yeah, it, it's. I forget this is st- ah, the statistic for or probability for if you're a child of divorce and you go into a marriage. Um, I, it's a ballpark around a fifty percent probability more than you know two folks in a marriage who have not experienced divorce. Um, yeah, your probability of divorce is fifty percent higher than theirs. Right, right. Um, and then I saw a statistic from, I believe it was uh, Family Life years ago, and it was now if both people in the, the marriage are children who grew up in divorce, the probability goes up to 183%. And when I saw that, and I was like, all right, uh, my mom got married and divorced twice. My dad married and divorced twice. Uh, and then I, I looked at my, my wife, and her mom married divorced twice dad married and divorced, I believe, three times. And so collectively, before the age of 18, we had something like eight or nine divorces under our belt um, when we combine all four parents. And I was like, what's the math on? I don't want to know the math on that. It, it's ridiculously high. And uh, let's not be that statistic. And so very early on, we made that choice. But I think we both were in a place where we knew Marriage was going to be one time. We're going to make it last. We're going to make it work. Uh, whoever that partner will be, and we just happen to meet each other and have the same desire and goals and and vision for marriage. Um, and this is before we received Christ as our Savior and invited God into the marriage. Um, so just having that as a baseline. But I think for me personally to get there, I remember I had to give my parents permission to be human. And give them permission to make mistakes in their lives. And, uh, you know, for my dad, 
It was not really knowing how to be a husband. You know, he was a great guy. He still is a great guy. He's the kind of guy that'll give you the last 20 bucks in his pocket. If he knows you're hungry, starving and, and desperate, he'll just give it to you. Um, and my mom, you know, she made a mistake. She had some insecurities. Somebody came along, preyed on those insecurities and broke up a family. Actually broke up two families because he also destroyed his own family in the process, uh, because of his own insecurities. So I, I've never met the guy, but I mean, the, type of guy there's going from insecurity to come and break up a a family just for that sense of power um so yeah giving them permission to be human allow them to have those mistakes and you know internally at least forgiving them and i've you know verbally forgiven them both and um you know they've they allowed me to talk about this you know it's really cool yeah they're, they're down to earth they're they're good people they just made they had a season in their lives where they they fell apart and the family dynamic changed forever um but it, I think that is the ultimate thing, though. If our marriage isn't our parents' marriage, and it, you know, but it takes that choice, like you've said, you know, that that declaration, that line in the sand, and uh, both you and your your partner, your spouse, um, make that choice together, and then you get the help you need. You know? And it sounds like you did that. You went and got therapy. Uh, my wife and I've gone to marriage conferences and retreats together, and we just remind ourselves of that commitment. Uh, you know, the highs easy. It's when we hit those lows. We're like, hey, remember, we we decided we were never putting divorce on the table. And we're like, yeah, so we never do. Um, she'll joke about it once in a while. I'm like, no, we're not even supposed to joke about that. That's right. not cool. And yeah. she'll laugh. And um, But yeah, she's really great. And you know, we both have the confidence that we're on the same team and it's forever. So, yeah. You know, just a couple of things I want to say about that. Um, I feel like, one, you have to give yourself permission to look at your parents' mistakes. And I those, there's an internal struggle in us that it's really at our core level that we want to say, you know, my dad's the greatest, my mom's the greatest. Every kid thinks that. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. But to be able to learn from their mistakes and take a step back and just say, I'm going to look at this because they're human, like you said, it's not dishonoring to them. I'm looking at it more like a case study. And I have, I have a vested interest in this because I'm the kid. But what can I learn Like, what can I learn from the what not to do category? Because there's so much learning that we can do from mistakes, not just our own mistakes, but other people's mistakes. And if you set aside, if you set aside your family loyalty for just a second, you're not being disloyal to them. You're actually doing more loyalty to breaking those generational curses by saying, I'm not going to repeat those things. And, but it takes a moment of courage, like you said, and maybe even involving someone else, a professional to help you do that. That's one of the really important steps in breaking this cycle. And 
another thing I wanted to say, I'm just so glad that you and your wife are on the same page. I think that's kind of the rarity though. But I want to say to the person, if you're saying right now, I'm the only one in this marriage interested in this healing journey. That's all it takes. Because for me, for a long, long time, that was me in my marriage. I wasn't necessarily on the same page with my husband. But if, if you have one person committed to getting healthy, committed to uh, not con- contributing to the problems and being a force for change in your marriage, that's all it takes. And so even if you feel like your spouse is sometimes your enemy, that's not the truth. The truth is you've got this curse over you uh, from, from the heritage that you have. And you're facing that like, you know, we were both children of divorce. So he's got these curses on his side oh, yes. and the curses on my side. So it takes an enormous amount of spiritual strength, putting on that armor that's in Ephesians 6 every single day, praying over that passage and asking God to help you fight back in the spiritual realms. It really is empowering uh, when you see that it's not just we're bickering over the same things, we're, we're continuing to fall into these traps of um, arguments when you look at it from the spiritual perspective, that's when you can start overcoming. And uh, I just wanted to give hope if you feel like, well, I don't know that my wife's on board or I don't know if my husband's on board right now. You just make that first step. And that's what's going to get the ball rolling. Yeah. It's almost like the airline industry when they do the safety brief and then they say if the cabin depressurizes, these masks will drop down. And if you're with young children, uh, put the mask on yourself first so you're able to take care of you know at least the favorite child and then... Uh, yeah, favorite child. <laughs> I've heard it said that way, or the one with the highest earning potential. Um, <laughs> but I mean, your spouse isn't your child, but you, you got to be able to take care of you first, so that you can go into that marriage relationship uh, a fuller person. And I think that that is important. So if um, if your spouse isn't ready to go on that journey with you, at least yeah, take that journey for yourself, because then now you, you are presenting yourself as that more healed person, um, and then they'll it's easier for them to come on board. I think that way. Yeah. It's or, or like a drowning victim. You know, if that person, your spouse comes out to try to save you, but you're not ready for that. You're, you're not just going to drown yourself, but you're going to take your spouse down with you. So very important. Yeah. You got to get healed for yourself. And we're talking specifically to adult children of divorce. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're, I'm not saying how old you are. I'm 45. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, you may be in your 30s. You may be in your 40s. Uh, and Not you specifically, uh, Sarah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah you know where I'm going with this. I'm uh, a Gen Xer. There we go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep it broad. <laughs> um, and so the, the childhood part of it's over. So this is more of the how do I heal myself from this and be able to move forward from there. And I think that's very important uh, because some of the, the baggage we do carry from not just you and I, but anybody who's been a child growing up through divorce, uh, we just talked about that that leeriness or not trusting romantic relationships. Um, there's the guilt. I remember uh, feeling like somehow my parents divorced because of something my brother and I did uh, that we got over that quickly, but we felt somehow we were responsible for bridging them together again. And uh, that was frustrating because it, it was clear that no, my mom is not coming back. And, uh, but there's that, that pressure, like somehow it's the child's responsibility to bridge them back together. Or I've seen other friends who've gone through divorce as kids. And, um, you know, maybe it's a situation where the, 
one parent or the other was abusive or manipulative. So now that person's using the children as the weapon, um, either feeding messages to give to mom or dad or uh, using custody as the battle token. And, you know, so there are children who've got to heal who are now adults who need to heal from those scars. Um, I think if it, for anything to not repeat those behaviors in their situation, their family, because um, you mentioned there are those who grew up through divorce who have now divorced. And if they're not aware of their past and, and those painful points, they're almost doomed to repeat it in a sense. So, right. Yeah. Right. I, I think uh, one area to watch yourself in is the holidays. And that is when all of our triggers get pushed. So you can really take a self inventory the next holiday that's coming up and understand why are you reacting this way? Because it's probably linked to something in the past and something that's not healed yet, something that you can work on. And uh, even if your extended family isn't interested in working on that, you can work on it and you can do that for your kids. That's where the hope lies. You can forge a new path for your kids. And for us, Really, it started. Um, it really started with Christmas uh, when my husband and I did get on board together. We were totally sick of going to five Christmases in three days because we we have that <laughs> we have that blessing of living close enough to our families yeah. that everybody wanted a piece of us, and wow. we had the first grandkids on either side of the family, so it was a big big deal. But by the time we were at like house number three. We were exhausted and like irritable. So he and I sat down and we're like, we said, we can't do this again. What are we going to do? We met with our pastor. Our pastor kind of helped us form this plan. We enacted the plan. He and I are both planners. So we were happy with what we came up with. And we sent the message out to all of our family and every single one of them revolted. All of his family said it was my fault. All of my family said it was his fault. And I think we discovered that Christmas is this, um, it's this huge, huge battlefield in divorced families because it's that one day that you can kind of pretend that everything's okay, that all those mistakes don't really matter but the, the parents have these expectations. The kids have all these hurts and all these feelings. Am I going to have to be dragged to another house yeah. again? All Not these their house. They got the worst food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, it's just awful. And so I think that that's, if there's one area that you can start kind of exploring these ideas, think about what Christmas looks like, what it's been like the past couple years, how it makes you feel what you wish was different, what you could do differently in your own family with your own children to forge a new path. And that's where the hope lies. You do have control and take back some control over Christmas. You don't have to do it just because your parents expect it to be a certain way. Uh, that's, that's where you can really benefit from setting some boundaries and coming together as a couple and and making some priorities and that might be a starting point of like building blocks in your marriage for a new a new um 
new life, a new story together. Yeah, yeah. Rewrite that path. Make your own path, as we say, on beyond the path. rut. Yeah, and live life beyond the rut. Uh, so we've talked about three key points for ch- adult children of divorce. Uh, the first one, you know, get help from the outside, so you have that chance to have a sounding board, get those uh, pains out there, so you can address them and, and heal from them. Uh, and the second one is. If your spouse isn't on board to go on that journey with you or not ready to go on that journey with you, start that journey anyway, because a whole healed you is better than a broken you in that marriage. And then the third thing was uh, a more practical thing. If you're that adult child of divorce, look at the holidays and that expectation to spread yourself thin and uh, yeah, do that assessment and then create a plan, present it to everybody. And, uh, you know, that's probably the most difficult, most diplomatic and political thing you'll ever have to do in your life. Uh, but it is important because, uh, those family relationships are important. Uh, and as you are building this new template for your family, it gives your children something to look up to and see, ah, this is, this is the way it can be. And, uh, so that's powerful. Uh, now if folks want to reach out to you, listen to your podcast, uh, go to your website, sign up for coaching, all that good stuff. Where can they go to, to get those resources? Best place is the front page of sarahgaringer.com. There it's you go. There. And you're an author as well. So uh, uh, now do you have some books that are also on this topic or is, are those coming soon? Well, uh, I hope that my podcast becomes a book. I have the book idea. I'm not sharing it on the podcast. I'm talking about all the things related to it. But I do have other books on Christian meditation and some Bible studies. So you can check those out. Yeah. Those tools might actually help you with uh, that introspection and reflection to get you to that healing point you need. Um, Now, any final words of wisdom before we sign off? I just say I applaud you. I applaud you for taking this healing journey. It does take courage, but God is on your side. And he's cheering for you. Nice. Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time out during podcast movement. Um, I think we got some cool sessions to go attend. Yeah. So great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jerry. So Sarah and I talked about the process of healing, you know, forgiving our parents, forgiving ourselves, looking at what it is we want in life to have a healthy, vibrant marriage for ourselves, going into our own futures. So as an adult, who is now who is a child of divorce you get to write your own destiny you are not trapped in the pain of that divorce or at least you shouldn't be so if you enjoyed that and you found value in that the best thing you could do for us and for others is to hit that share button on however you're listening to this episode and share this with a friend a family member a coworker, a neighbor whoever that'd be a great thing not just for us but for whoever it is you're sharing this with now, you can also check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 295. Uh, there you'll find links to Sarah's website, a couple of articles that you might find interesting about the statistics of divorce, and what you could do if you had a child in your own divorce, uh, and how to help that child heal and come to terms with what's happened and uh, just be okay. So there you have it. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week as we wrap up this marriage and family series. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showvian myself, 
I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.